Hey, welcome to the Michaud Mission, Two Men, One Podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to the year of 1996 as Vince and Len finally, finally get on the bus. Spike Lee's homage mm. to the 1995 Million Man March. Yes. That is starring Ozzy Davis, uh, Charles Dutton, Isaiah Washington, Andre Brower, Michelle Mission favorite Roger Gouverneur Smith, among many others. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Including Thomas Jefferson Bird. This is Vince's selection for this stop on the mission. But before we get into that, Vince, how are you doing, my good, my good man? I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine on this brisk late autumn day. It is, it is a little brisk, but it is not as brisk as it was last night. So, Vince and missionaries, if you all allow me a moment. <laughs> I've been waiting for this story all day, missionaries. To spin the yarn of the saga to get on the bus. Ah. Now, as you may remember, missionaries, way back in the beginning of November, Vince and I were set to review this film on the first week of the month, but we found that it had actually left Netflix and was no longer streaming, so we had to hustle and make arrangements to watch it on DVD. Yes. Vince fortunately had it on DVD. And it's one of those things where you bought it on DVD, but you never watched it on DVD. So Vince actually had a unwrapped version (laughs) of a Spike Lee three pack. Right, right, right. And I actually just purchased it. Oh, I thought you said you already had it. No, 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 no. If I had it, I would have ran it over a couple of weeks ago. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then that part of the story, strike that. Okay. Okay. Vince purchased it and uh, boarded it over for me to watch because I knew I had a DVD player. Remember those, ladies and gentlemen? Yes. So Vince brought it it over to me on Monday afternoon. In a responsible, socially distanced manner. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He honked the horn. He was all masked up. So was his young son. I went outside, grabbed the film, came back into the home. And I said, all right, this will be perfect to watch tonight when I eat my dinner. Mm. Dinner and a show. Dinner and a show. Exactly. Right. So. I set up the film and say, let me go get my DVD player. Because even though I am pretty much fully moved into my new home, I haven't set up my DVD player because who watches DVDs anymore? So, (laughs) okay. Besides you, Vince. So my DVD player was downstairs in storage. So I went downstairs and got it and brought it upstairs to hook up to my TV. However, I had forgotten that I had purchased a new TV when I moved into my into this home. Ah. A new TV, which is a 2020 TV, ah. which means that all of its hookups 
are of 2021, or let's put it this way, 21st century variety, ah. either USB or HDMI. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My my DVD player is decidedly from the days of Get on the Bus, mm. so it had the cords of red, yellow, and white. Yes. None of which outputs were on the back of my TV. Ah. So, oh, man. And I've got to watch this film because we're reviewing it tomorrow. It's true. And not only do I have to watch it, I have to watch it tonight because I have to return this film to Vince because Vince, ladies and gentlemen, is under strict orders by his psychosis that he cannot (laughs) watch. He has to watch the movies that we review mere minutes before we do the show. I like it to be fresh. (laughs) I like it to be fresh. I do that for y'all. <laughs> yes, we. you like it to be fresh, but the people didn't realize that on the other side of the screen, this movie is right there, just having going on. <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, I'm exaggerating, of course. But anyway, so this meant I had to watch it at Monday night. So out into the streets of Philadelphia, <laughs> I go to see if I can find an adapter for my uh, cords to go into either a USB or HDMI into into my television. Okay. Now, this would have been fine back in 1996 in the days of Get on the Bus and Radio Shack. Ah. But there, there are no more Radio Shacks. Well, it should have been fine in the days of 2000 when we had Circuit City. Ah. There's no more Circuit City. Well, maybe this would be fine in the days of Best Buy and Target and Walmart. You're right. However, Best Buy, Target, and Walmart have decidedly moved into the 21st century. And no, they do not have the adapters for your old antiquated DVD player, Len. (sighs) So, now there is a conundrum. Uh. So, fortunately... I call up friend to the show, Ariel Johnson hey. of Malcolm Comics and Coffee House. Your friend in ours. Who I know has a little DVD player that they use at her store. I called Ariel. Ariel, can I borrow your DVD player? I've got to watch this movie tonight. All right, Len, come get the movie. Come get the DVD player. I go, I get the DVD player. It has the HDMI set hookup. I'm like, perfect. I race home. I plug in the DVD player. By now, it's 930. Mm. I plug in the DVD player into the TV, put the DVD into the DVD player, hit the power button. It comes on. Menu comes up. I don't have a remote control. (laughs) (laughs) Is Yakety Sax playing as you're doing all this? <laughs> like, are you running around the sofa very quickly as all this is happening? It feels like a Rule Goldberg like display on right here. Right. So I don't have a remote control, but that's fine. 
Because 20th century DVD players have a play button on the front. Yes. Not 21st century <laughs> DVD players. <laughs> There's no buttons on this machine. Are you building up to you didn't watch the movie? <laughs> Therefore, I ain't watched this. <laughs> now, I had a universal remote. Yes. Downstairs in my basement. <laughs> I jumbled around through about nine boxes, found it, needed new batteries. Fortunately, I had two double A's, put them in there, looked up on, it's a GE, the DVD player is a Sony, so I have to look up on the internet to find the codes for a Sony Blu-ray player. There's four codes, and I rifled through those four codes at least ten times a piece because none of them work for my 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 remote. So, it is now midnight. You know, in all that time, you could have gone to Ariel's and just gotten a remote. True. However, Ariel was not home, nor no longer at the store. She was out with her boyfriend. Right, right. Living her life. Living her life, which means she ain't answering the phone. Right, right. However, she did around midnight, I guess, looked up and noticed that I called frantically with a text that said, what? No play button? And called me and agreed to bring the remote control over at 7 a.m. this morning. (laughs) So... So when you came to pick up the film, you had just at, finished at watching. <laughs> the credits had just rolled on get, get on the bus. You were like, "Wow, that's powerful!" How they left them shackles on, do, do, do. and I was texting you saying, "I'm outside." <laughs> you ain't even hear Kirk Franklin sing his moving song over the credits. Nope. 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 <laughs> I heard the choir hum up. And I was like, oh, got to give it to Vince. <laughs> Eject. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I was like, please end. Please end. Okay. Because <laughs> you never know with Spike. Well, you know I mean? well, well. We'll talk about wait, it. Wait, you're lucky Spike Lee didn't write the script. <laughs> See? We'll talk about... See? If Spike Lee had written a script... That's what I said. That's exactly what I said. It would have ended eight different times. That's exactly what I said. Wait a minute. We're already in the review. Ozzy Davis would have died. They would have given X the the, the, the drum. Stop. Stop. Roger Gouverneur Smith would have walked Jamal to jail. Jamal would be teaching a class in jail. Isaiah Washington and Harry Lennox would have gotten back together. Oh, God. Andre Brown would have done a one-man play called Bucks. <laughs> Wendell Pierce would have been thumbing for it. Right, Wendell Pierce. 
would have been summon a rod. <laughs> Regirock Bythewood, right. boom, ending, bam. <laughs> you come out, give oh, me God. the DVD. <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. So <laughs> that's my saga. Now, I do have one question for clarification. You don't have yes. a drive on your computer? No, dude. Max do not have a DVD. I, no, I know. I, I have a Mac, but I got the little extra drive joint. No, I don't. Oh. I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't really watch too much. No. Too many DVDs anymore. Well, well you know. Well, well, well. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna talk to you like I talk to my 15 year old. <laughs> well, what have we learned? <laughs> <laughs> my wife would say, "What are the takeaways?" <laughs> Takeaways is my 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 DVD player is obsolete. Yes, Negro. I mean, it's not like you're part of an award-winning, critically acclaimed movie podcast <laughs> that perhaps sometimes you'll have to watch a DVD. I didn't know. Who knew? I didn't even remember. Who could have predicted that at some point someone would ask you to watch a DVD? But I didn't remember that it didn't have the, the right hookup. I honestly don't remember. I didn't remember. So again, what have we learned? What are the takeaways? You got her done now. You got her done. I didn't know any of this before just now. I picked it up. I came home, had another cup of coffee. Started right up. Mm. Well, no. So I have watched it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I know I'm you in. are. I'm ready. I know you are. <clears throat> oh, God. That was funny. Okay. Um. Um, also, that wasn't help though, because when I did give give you the um the movie, uh you handed me a a chocolate cake. I did. Chocolate a chocolate devil's food cake that your daughter uh made yes. for me um in, in in um in return for the logo that I created for her. And um dog that cake is something, man. Yeah, Camille I mean, B. Bacon. When I when I tasted her cooking like at last year at your at your party, and I tasted her cake, I was like, oh, this is this is so this is so good. And she made me that whole. But that cake, oh, the cake is so good. That laid on me, dog. <laughs> I ain't, I am not gonna. That joint is Jeff Bezos rich, dog. Yeah. I am telling you, I. I laid on me. It was all I could do to stay awake. This I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this, oh, this is so this is so good, man. Um, I, I had to call my tribbles. I got my I got my tribbles like uh, like I think Isaiah's coming tomorrow to scoop up some, and Kennedy's waiting till she gets out of. Uh, I think she's on quarantine because somebody at her job it, uh, got uh, diagnosed or something. Yeah, so. Uh, and she's like, save me some, save it, freeze it. I'm yeah. like, hi, hi, hi. 
Yeah, yeah that cake is that cake is banging. It's man. a good cake. Mm. It's it's a fine cake. So mm. she do she do some work. Yes. Mm. Glad you're enjoying. Okay. It. All right. All right. All right. A day All in right. the life. So, day in the life. Day in the life. Speaking of amazing kids, Vince, did you see this story about Madison Webb and Christian Flournoy? Um, Flournoy. Excuse me. High school st- students and participants in the Harvard Diversity Project uh, out of Atlanta, they have been dubbed the Atlanta Great Debaters, and they won for the third consecutive year the prestigious Harvard University debate competition. I did. I did see that. You know, I like it. I like it when the young people do their thing. That is Beast, yes, dog. yes, absolutely. I am, I am with that. Um, Madison Webb and Flower Noy, uh, Christian Flower Noy, made history as the first black female student and youngest black boy to come out of the competition victorious. Together, they beat out students from over twenty-five countries around the world. Yeah, that's crazy. For- during the final round, the judge panel um, declared their three-peat victory with a perfect five-to-nothing winning ballot. I love it. Mm. I love it. Mm. Congrats mm. to them and kudos to them and their families. Yes. I, I, we <sighs> talk about proud. Oh, my God. That is beast, dog. That is beast. And, and you know what? I ain't even mad at them because that makes sense, man. Because these kids today, man, like before, you, you know, kids would be talking back and they'd just be talking smack. Now kids talk back and you just be like, yeah, all right, well, you got a point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. They know this stuff, man. Oh, yeah. They know this stuff. Um, Vince, did you, I know you were a fan of Creed. Did you uh, see Creed 2? I did. I did see Creed 2. Uh, Creed? Creed 2, which um, was not directed by Ryan Coogler. Right, right. Even though he, he was a producer on it. That was directed by Stephen Cape, uh, uh, Capel Jr. That's right. Who actually has just been tagged mm-hmm. to direct the new Transformers picture. Yes. The revival of the trans- Transformer uh franchise and he's going to be directing that new film yes i'm black ve- brother i'm very happy for him i'm very ha- you know make some of that franchise money yeah that's right make that loop yeah make that make franchise that money that's that's a nice check right there mm-hmm. you know i, I like to see brothers and bro. sisters get nice checks and that's and you know what and 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 that's and that's what i'm talking about man because you know not for nothing you know they cycle through the same names when yes, they, they do tag somebody up for a lot of these um these big franchise projects or they'll look to the latest indie film and try and snatch somebody up there but even but even then they usually are a little color you know you know white struck about where they go looking for those directors right right um so yeah, absolutely. So I don't I'm and I don't I don't know if we've mentioned it on air that Nia DaCosta is going to direct Captain Marvel too. Yeah, yeah. You know, make that Marvel money. Make that money. That's right. 
Make that money. Shoot, I ain't mad at no, you. No, not at all. Not one bit. Um, and then just one last piece of news because I couldn't even believe this, Vince, when I read it. Did you know, does it feel like it has been 19 years since the Bernie Mac show showed up on television? I, I, I read that same oral history and it didn't seem it, it it did seem crazy that it had been that long right yeah right. it did seem crazy that was a very interesting oral history too i didn't i haven't gotten a chance to read through it yet i i i i hope to because i was a fan of that show it it was it was a very good show and when you read the the interview not not just with larry um wiltmore whitmore but also the cast it was very mm-hmm. intentional oh, really? how that show looked and how that show felt and 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 you could tell yeah you could tell yeah, yeah. I, I i'm i'm interested in in reading it um checking it out it was a, it was a cool show it was a great show um bernie mac was a oh man talk about a talent that was going too soon i know um i know shows up and, and man shows up and get on the bus crest yeah shows up and get shows up and get on the bus yes he is yeah. yes he is and and you know and he's not a big a big role in here but you know he has his moments he does when he shines in this he show. does indeed so Oh man, I can't believe it's been 19 years though. That's I know. Crazy. It seems crazy to me. All right. Um Oh, and the one last thing before we go, Vince. Uh in the Facebook group, we got a bit of a shout out from a new missionary. Okay. Troy Troy L. Thompson. Hey, what's up, Troy? Now he was he was thankful for being welcomed into the Michelle Mission Facebook group and says, thank you for accepting me. I had to pause at the questions because I love films so much that all of the black cinema in the world, it was hard to pick my favorite because you actually have to act, answer questions to join the Facebook group, ladies and gentlemen. That's that's, And we mostly do that. One, to get an idea of the sensitive people that are joining, but two, to also kind of keep the bots right from just uh, right. rifling in. Uh my wife would swear I was overthinking this question. Is a movie I only saw once? It is, is it a movie I only saw once or a million times? Is it a sci-fi movie? A Bed-Stuy Brooklyn movie? How can I love the Shaft sequels more than I love the original? I have discovered great black movies since I discovered your podcast, so I'm constantly finding new favorites that I love. Selma moved me 20 feet from stardom, grooved me. The first black movie I ever saw in the theater was The Wiz. Mm-hmm. And being from Brooklyn, we also visited the block that Dorothy lived on in the beginning of the movie. Nice. And the mural back then was still on the wall. Nice. It was the cleanest block we had ever seen. So as I grew older, different genres of black cinema appealed to me. So sorry this is long. Overthinking again. I will say... House Party, Mo Better Blues, Devil in a Blue Dress, A Man Called Adam, and Fences. And a lot of folks may or may not agree 
the Blues Brothers. Interesting. But I plan on watching nothing but a man, and I'm, and I know that's going to blow my mind. So by day's end, it may be my new favorite. <laughs> Well, welcome, Troy. You sound like we are all kindred spirits. You are home, and as Jeremiah would Most say, and we are glad to see you. Yes, yes, yes. I, I guess the, the debate about the Blues Brothers continues. Man. I know, I know. You, you know, there's so many things on the docket. It feels weird to watch the Blues Brothers. But at some point, we're going to have to tackle the Blues Brothers, I think. You know what? I I have a funny feeling if we don't bring it to the table, I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere along the line, some guest says, have y'all watched the Blues Brothers yet? And we'll be like, right, right. Well, you know, if they bring it it to the table, we will we will grapple with it. We will. We We will. will. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to grapple with. Spike Lee's Get On The Bus. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Brother, can I have your ears, please? If you want to go to the Floss and Swap Meet, the Brentwood Mansion, the L.A. Zoo, or the La Brea Tar Pits, then your black ass is on the wrong bus. <laughs> this bad boy is going to Washington, D.C. for the Million oh, Man March. I guess if the brothers are getting together, you know, talking about some things, trying to work things out, I want to be there, right? How do you propose working things out without the sisters? Court order says they have to keep my son tethered for 72 hours. I thought slavery was over. My homies call me smooth. Ain't no way I'm calling my son smooth. Oh, all of a sudden, I'm your son again. Niggas love to talk about what they're going to do. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. When you use that word that way, are you talking about you too? I need specs. That's it. What's that after all we've been through together? Keep your voice down. I forgot. You can't let your macho self out of the closet. He said, you're not man enough to admit that you love me to him. No! It's okay to be gay. It's okay to be black. As long as you a Republican, you all right. We're getting ready to ride into history, man. You can't roll with Washington with that boy in shackles. Director Spike Lee welcomes you aboard on a journey of discovery. If you're ready to stop being the boys, get started on this bus to Washington and be, you know, the men that our wives and our mothers and our children are waiting for back home. If you're ready to do that, then we got work to do. So people get ready. There's a train of coming. Freedom Get on the Bus is a 1996 
American drama about a group of African-American men who are taking a cross-country bus trip in order to participate in the Million Man March. Film was directed by Spike Lee and premiered on the one-year anniversary of the march. The film, written by Reggie Rock Bythewood, stars in alphabetical order DeAndre Bonds, Andre Brower, Thomas Jefferson Byrd, Gabrielle Cassius, Albert Hall, Hill Harper, Harry Lennox, Bernie Mac, Wendell Pierce, Roger Gouverneur Smith, Isaiah Washington, Steve White, and features Charles S. Dutton and Ossie Davis. Get on the bus. Vince's selection for this stop on the Michaud mission. Vince, what say you of this film? Well, here we are again with my favorite filmmaker, Spike Lee. And we have talked about Spike Lee's work. And part of the reason I love him so much is that he has established a body of work. Like there's actually a body of work that you can look at. And as I've said it before, early on, and I will say it again, that when you look at Spike Lee's first five films and really six films, because his sixth is sixth film is Malcolm X. But I like mm-hmm. five. I will put Spike Lee's first five films up against any filmmaker's first five films. Mm. Out the gate, Spike Lee made great films. And 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 frankly, when we talk about the golden period of Spike Lee, you're talking about those first six films, starting with She's Gotta Have It, ending with uh, Malcolm X in 1992. From there, what I've always said is there is a transitional period. And this transitional period is is not as as good as the early stuff. So, so you know, in this I include three films that we've discussed actually. Crooklyn, Clockers, and Girl 6. Mm-hmm. Crooklyn, I like a lot, but Crooklyn has never really felt like Spike Lee's movie to me. It always felt like Joie Lee, his sister's film. Clockers, I think, feels more like a Spike Lee film, but it's 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 based on Richard Price's novel, who co-wrote the script. So even that is almost an asterisk next to it. And then while I like Girl 6 more than you did, I think Girl 6 is a very uneven film that leans more towards a misfire than not. Okay. Okay. After those three films, we enter into what I personally call Spike Lee's, he gets his second wind. And it begins with Get on the Bus. And from Get on the Bus, you go from Get on the Bus, He Got Game, Summer of Sam, Bamboozled, 25th Hour. Where I think, boom, 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 Spike Lee, for lack, you know, I don't want to say gets his groove back, but but certainly he he gets into it. And of those films... Get on the Bus is my favorite of that second wave of films. And truth be told, even compared to his golden age, if you will, I think pound for pound, Get on the Bus might be a better overall film than Jungle Fever. Okay, okay. I think Ozzie Davis and Samuel L. Jackson are so epic 
in Jungle Fever that it puts it over the top. Like they're just transcendent in that film. But Get On the Bus is a film that that we, we joked about it a little bit in the opening. I think the real secret to Get On the Bus is the script. The real secret is the script. As you said, Reggie Rock Bythewood wrote the script. And it's almost like he studied Spike Lee, looked at Spike Lee's blind spots, if you will, mm. and maneuvered around them. Okay. All right. Everyone says Spike Lee has trouble with female characters. Well, you know what? This is a film about the Million Man March. There aren't a lot of fe- there are no female characters. There are a couple of not appearances really. of women, but they're not characters. They're in one scene for each woman, and then they're out of it, but it makes sense. This is about the Million Man March. Mm-hmm. Spike Lee oftentimes gets very message heavy, didactic, if you will. But it's the Million Man March. And for those of us who were there, those of us who remember the time, the very nature of the march, as they say in the film, was atonement. So this was a very natural environment to have these men kind of give these monologues about where Mm -hmm. they are, where they want to be, where they've come from. So even that is very natural. You and I joke about Spike Lee's endings and and frankly, I think even structurally, sometimes Spike wants to do everything. This is a road trip movie. So built in, you have a structure. Mm-hmm. You have a beginning, you have a middle, you have an end. So that even that pulls Spike Lee in and that really serves him as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. By contrast, I would argue that this is more, even though he hasn't written the script, I think that this film is more to Spike Lee's credit than than another film that he wouldn't have written the script, like a Crooklyn, or, you know, you and I have gone back and forth over the years over Inside Man. Mm -hmm. Because I think this was a difficult film to pull off. I think... There are, I think it's, it's very dialogue heavy. Yes. It's very plot light. Like there's not really a lot of plot. Like this really is a bunch of men in this confined space Mm -hmm. bouncing off of each other. And I think a lesser director wouldn't have been able to capture or create the kineticism that you need for something like this to work. Like we talked last week about transferring a play to a film, to, to, you know, to a film format. In a lot of ways, this is a film that has a play structure. Okay. You know, it's very, you know, it's just men talk. And then frankly, this cast, this is a ridiculous cast. This cast mm-hmm. is bananas. Like even you, you know, like you, you start with the heavy hitters. Ozzie Davis. He's he's our favorite because he's so good. Roger Gouverneur mm-hmm. Smith, Andre Brower, Harry Lennox. 
Isaiah Washington. Um, like these are the heavy hitters right out the box. And then right on them, you know, hey, Lynn, I'm going to try a sports metaphor. You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Coming off the bench. Albert Hall is in here for a yeah. few scenes. Um, uh, Hill Harper does good work yeah. in this. You know what? I've always liked him. And I, I know this is the second time we've seen him. He may have been in another. another did I mention Thomas Jefferson Bird with the, with the heavy hitters? Because I meant to no, if didn't. I didn't. Thomas Jefferson Bird and, and, you know, going to why I chose this film. I don't think this is Thomas, Thomas Jefferson Bird's best performance in a Spike Lee film. I think he is, 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 is Oscar worthy in clockers. I think even mm-hmm. something like bamboozled is, is a more um, firecracker role than this, but this is my favorite role of his. I love him so much in this movie, but you know who I like in this a lot? Deandre bond, the little brother mm-hmm. that plays the, the little brother that plays his son smooth. 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 And the thing about a cast like this that I think the script and Spike Lee take advantage of, you can have you have so many combinations of actors that absolutely pop. Isaiah Washington, Harry Lennox together, they play a, a, a gay couple. They're fantastic together. Hill Harper and Ozzie Davis, the elder and the young man fantastic thomas jefferson Byrne and deandre bond as father and son fantastic charles dutton did I, did I, I mean did i mention charles dutton there's so many people in here i just forget them charles dutton and thomas jefferson bird fantastic i didn't realize until today that what i've wanted my entire life was a buddy film with roger gouverneur smith and andre brower <laughs> who knew that these two were the buddy team that we all needed until today. <laughs> so it is to Spike Lee's credit that he's able to, to, to capture all of this power and mm-hmm. focus it in a way that is fantastic. Again, it's about the Million Man March. There's a lot of politics involved. I think... It is handled well, and I think it is a testament to the script. That's something that could have been very, you know, very unnatural, if you will. Like, I remember watching this as a young man. I didn't like Richard Belzer in it. Like, I didn't like his role. Like, I I almost felt like it shouldn't have been any white people in this movie. Right. We didn't mention it. Richard Richard Belzer. Belzer, and, And he's good. And he's good. Right. Charles Dutton and Richard Belzer. That's a nice combination. But it aged a lot better than I remembered. Like, so I didn't have a problem with Richard Belzer. You know what I liked a lot? This was a surprisingly nuanced view of gay black men in 1990s, for it to be 1996. Yeah. Like, I really was. And, and, and as someone who is very sensitive about the stereotype, of black people mm-hmm. being more homophobic than everybody else. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a pretty realistic depiction of these men. Like these men aren't going to marches. These men aren't wearing t-shirts. 
These men are using language that even in 1996, we, we were trying not to use anymore. But there is never a point in this film where the men on this bus say that Harry Lennox and Isaiah Washington have no right to be on this bus. In fact, when you contrast it with how they treat Wendell Pierce's character, mm-hmm. you see they are a part of the collective. Are there men uncomfortable with it? Absolutely. Are there men who don't care? Absolutely. Are there men who make fun of it? Absolutely, because it's a group of men. Right, right. But they never exclude them. They never try to they never, get rid of they them. They never exclude They never try to get rid of them. These are men, I thought their relationship was pretty well built. Like, this was a relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Roger Gouverneur Smith as, as a... Oh, oh my goodness. Again, there's so many people in here. Um, I, I meant to mention him with DeAndre Bond. I've always liked Gabriel Cassius. Gabriel Cassius. Okay. Who plays um, Jamal, the gangbanger mm-hmm. who has now become Muslim. And he's another one, and we've mentioned a couple of actors like this from the 90s, where I think it was just too crowded. Like, like Gabriel Cassius never really yeah, got, yeah. You, you know, and, and it's not because of a lack of talent. But... This, you know, the storyline between him being a gangbanger and and Roger Gouverneur Smith wanting to take him in for the murders he's committed. There is a moral conundrum at the center of it that I've not seen in a Spike Lee film since Do the Right Thing. Yep. Where by the end of the film, they both make good points. Yep. They both make very good points. And much like do the right thing where over the years people have asked me who did the right thing. And even when I teach do the right thing, like that's always my last paper for do the right thing where, where the thesis, where, where the um, prompt is who did the right thing. Mm -hmm. You don't know what the right thing is. This is a great film. This is a great film. I'll I'll stop there. I'll let you jump in and, and we'll, you know, come back around, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of this film. I'm a fan of this film. I think one of the nuances that that um, begs to be mentioned about the the relationship between uh, Gabriel Cassius Jamal, the gangbanger turned Muslim, and Roger Gouverneur Smith's character, um, and let me—I think I have his character's name, uh, Gary. Gary. Yeah, Gary. Gary. Gary is that he is a light skin. LAPD cop, right? And biracial on his way there. Biracial, mm-hmm. um, who is um, one of the reasons why he became a cop is because while he is biracial, his father was black, and his father was a black cop, mm-hmm. and his father was killed by someone who was more or less a gang banger, right? Um, and the nuance that you see between the two of them is very in your face, very tension filled and very real. And that's the one thing that I remember when I watched get on the bus the first time and I felt it right away when I watched, watched it this time is that so much of this movie feels real. 
mm-hmm. you know, and the dialogue. And I, like you said, I think the secret, the the superpower of this movie is the script. The dialogue in this in this film feels so authentic that the the acting can't help but crackle because you can't help but resonate with the words that you're being given. You know what I mean? Because they feel right. Uh, and they feel, they they not only feel right, but they feel right for the characters that, that, that are espousing them. Andre Brower's character is the biggest jerk <laughs> in the world from the moment he shows up on screen. And you think he is going to be the biggest a-hole of this film, um, but he's paid his way on this bus and they're going to let him his, him be this a-hole that they're going to have to suffer through and at times kind of like shut down. Um, and he plays it so effing well. <laughs> I mean, it's, especially because he's a jerk and he's an actor and as a guy who has been in those circles, I've, I've met... At least 20 of this guy. <laughs> I know them all. The ones who want to, you know, are hyped up because they, you know, auditioned for, you know, yeah, I'm going to be uh, extra number three in the next Denzel movie. <laughs> it's on the DL. It's on Keep the that DL. on the QT. Yeah. Keep that on QT between, it's between me and you. It's between me and you. Between me and you. Like so, it and it it, feel, it just feels so effing real. You talk about the the um, homosexual couple, Harry Lennox and Isaiah Washington. If they don't say they're homosexual, you don't know they're homosexual. You just think they're friends. You and and, and I mean, you learn it once they start talking about their relationship, right? But. Uh, but if they never said that, you would just think they're friends because there's no affectation right. to them at all. Right. Which, even in 1996, mm-hmm. was still a thing mm-hmm. that you would see in 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 in, um, in films and in black films, especially black films that are predominantly feature black men who historically have. A, a you know a streak of homophobia running up the, a lot of their backs. So for it to be as smartly and uh, depicted in this movie to the point that this homosexual couple are allowed to be in their feelings, be mad with one another, be in love with one another, be defensive of one another, and still be tender with one another yeah is like it's 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 gra- almost groundbreaking yeah for this type of film you know um and i was i was really moved i was really moved by that especially in light of you know fast forward to 2020 you know what black america thinks of isaiah washington isn't that right crazy now. and and it's how and how crazy. he blew his career up exactly yeah you know um, even though, you know, it it wasn't lost on me that oh my god, he's playing a Republican in this. <laughs> <laughs> Flip it said there it all a, along. A black gay Republican. Now I've seen everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the, the thing that struck me with this film is just there's so much honesty. 
at this time in his career, Ossie Davis, I like Ossie Davis. I got I got nothing but bad respect for Ossie Davis. But there are times when I see at this point in his career, Ossie Davis coming up on the screen. I'm like, oh man, it, I, I sometimes his performance can be a little cringeworthy, right? But in this film, I didn't feel that. And I think that is because he's bouncing off realistic situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also, it's because you as the viewer are let in on what the people in the bus don't know is that he is actually a sick man. Yeah. Right? Like, you see that from the beginning when you see him rip off his uh, his medical bracelet uh, the first time you see him. But nobody else saw him do do that so no matter how strong and lively and you know he may appear throughout the movie we know that he is a ticking bomb right so that just adds a a a level of you know more thoughtfulness and tenderness to his performance because you're just, you know, you're just sitting there waiting for it, especially when you see how he and Hill Harper are getting along almost in this, you know, uh, grandfather, son, you know, grandson type of relationship, you know, and he's handing down the lessons that he's learned and his respect for history uh, to Hill Harper, as well as to Jamal, as well as well as to the whole. I was about to say whole uh, bus, really, um, because he is the person. He's kind of like the voice of reason for a lot of them. Um, and and it's, it is so true of the dichotomy of black men is that as fearful and as prideful as we may be about ourselves and our and our place in the world we are still very reverential and respectful to our elders that's right and you can see them and you can see them even andre brower mm-hmm. being deferential to ossie davis his character in this film um there there's it's there's just so much to like about this film i'll be honest man watching this movie i i you know, just thinking about the Spike Lee films, this might be my favorite Spike Lee movie. Mm. Um, and maybe it's because he didn't write it. It's because, right, right. it's because there is an economy of script that, you know, while it delves all over the place, it gets in. I mean, mm-hmm. you talk about the nuance of the of the homosexual relationship and the nuance of the conversation between the gangbanger and the cop, and you don't know which way that lands. You also alluded to uh, Richard Belzer, uh, him and Harry Lennox getting into it about the uh, the history of Jewish people's um, uh, uh, part in the civil rights movement. You know, uh, there there is thoughtfulness to that conversation where no one is necessarily given the the upper hand. But you also, as opposed to in many Spike Lee films, you don't feel like people are just shooting out Wikipedia facts at one another. Mm -hmm. You know, you feel like people are just being honest in their in their in their stance. And you also feel like. uh, um, They're also being being honest through the lens of Richard Belzer in the thoughtful the thoughts of the Million Man March. Yeah, because oh yeah. As historic as a moment as this was, 
and as powerful as a moment as the Million Man March was, it is not lost on anyone, Black America or White America or whatever color America, that this was an event that was created and fostered by Minister Louis Farrakhan. Right. Who is, you know, you look up problematic, you might see his picture right there with some of the things that he has said about people out that aren't black, you know? Um, and they're and they're honest because they don't run away from that. They, they, they easily could have just skirted over that, but they don't. You know, they leave it out there and they leave it for you to judge on on your own in a very honest way. And I appreciated that about about this film. There's only one part about this movie that just left me cold. And I'll go over that at the end. It's a small thing and we'll get to it at the end. But this was just really just uh, an amazing film, top to bottom. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I, I actually had economy of script in in my in my notes too because again it's it's a lot of balls in the air Mm -hmm. it's a lot Mm -hmm. of balls and and again when you are dealing with a cast this talented like i joked about the combinations but to take that a step further any two actors in this film could have carried this film Right. Like at right. any given moment, the one actor could have outshined the others. And there is this wonderful balance. So that by the end, and, and it's, it's, you know, it's a fairly lean, you know, it's two hours. Yeah. Like it's, it is two hours. And of that two hours, you have to think you have a, a bunch of establishing shots you have the the transitional shots where it's them, you know, it's a road trip. So, you know, you, mm-hmm. you got the, the shots of them on the bus. So the two hours minus that, this script has to do a lot. Mm-hmm. And 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 I have to say, from my perspective, as as you you know, we kind of do this and you kind of look at and and as you said, from the moment we see Ozzie Davis. And he takes the 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 hospital tag off. You say, "Up, oh, I don't know if I like. I don't know if Ozzie Davis's character is gonna make it to the Million Man March, but he ain't gonna make it back to South Central L.A." <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. But they handled the foreshadowing very delicately. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no coughing up blood, or you, you know. But but just every now and then, very lightly, they remind you. Mm-hmm. Of what's going on with him. And I have to say, looking at, you know, I've seen this three or four times now, so I knew it was coming. The way that they build to the moment, like I knew by the end, so so we didn't mention this, Thomas Jefferson Bird plays a character named Evan. And his son Smooth has gotten into some trouble. And as part of his punishment, he is on probation and he has to be shackled to his father which sidebar for those of you who are too young to remember this was actually a thing like you remember you remember that that moment where they were where where they were just shackling black boys as part Mm -hmm. of their punishment so this was very much a thing and even though the credits they juxtapose the the slave chains with the chain with you know um 
that they show in the in the and, opening in the credits, opening right. credits. Even though you know by the end of the film, the you, you know the shackles are going to come off of of his son. It always really hits me when they leave the shackles at the foot of the Lincoln Monument. Right. It is such yeah. a powerful image. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I really enjoy about that storyline is when he runs. And and I and I give credit to Spike Lee for this. The way Spike Lee subverts that kind of film trope of the runaway slave, mm-hmm. you know, running through the night and it's the mist and people are chasing him. But in this case, it's black men chasing this young black man trying to save him. Right. And I love how how the film recaptures that imagery in this way. But again, this is just one storyline. This is just one storyline in this film. It's and and I I, I know. Got, but here's the thing about that storyline. Here's the thing about that storyline. I like DeAndre Bond in this film. I, he's he's not the most polished actor in there, and I think that actually is to the. I film's was about to say. I think that just yeah. sounds like a young bull, and you know, and that's how a young bull comes across. I like Thomas Jefferson Bird. I'm you know a fan of him, and I don't think he's bad in this film. I do think that for me, that I don't feel that the moments that you see in this film or that it leads to at the end it it they don't 100% feel earned to me oh. like even like even their big conversation at the end after chasing them through the woods and after you know them breaking down i feel in watching that scene i felt i felt everything that the Andre Bond was saying. I absolutely felt that everything he was saying, it felt real, it felt earnest. You felt pain in his voice. And I didn't feel what Thomas Jefferson Bird was saying or was giving was receptive of it. I felt it was more he was just kept saying the same things. I am your father. I am your father. And it, it just didn't, I, I, I so wanted that. I mean, I know what they were going for there. And I thought that that was one, one part where it just didn't quite stick the landing for me. And it just didn't feel, it didn't feel real. Oh, I disagree. I love, I love, I love their relationship. I love, and I love him as this, I love him as his father who has screwed up mm-hmm. and now he's trying to make up for it. Like, like I love the roughness of it. And, and frankly, the repetition of the, I am your father and I'm not going anywhere in my mind. That was as much for him as it was for his son, because you get the sense, even, you know, this is newer than not for him. Mm-hmm. That he's going to be there. So, and Smooth wanted it. Like, he wanted to believe it. Like, I don't think he had to really do too much to convince him because he wanted to believe it. And, I, yeah, I did. It, it, it worked for me. It worked for me. And, and, okay. and, and you know, right. maybe that's just the good feeling from the rest of the movie. But mm-hmm. But it worked for me. 
And and I just love the communal spirit of it. Like 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 whenever I think about it, I always go to Shabuya, which you know the song <laughs> they sing. But I noticed this time they spend a lot of time singing together. A lot. Like there are four different moments where they, you know, they 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 sing the James Brown together. Roger Gouverneur Smith, who, hey, by the way, he also sings and plays the guitar because why not? <laughs> it's like in between the set, he's in the back rolling sushi rolls. <laughs> But, you know, he's playing the guitar and they're all singing together. And it's just, I just love the warmth of it. I, I, I love the warmth of it. And and I, I, I had forgotten, like, I, I knew they never got to the march. But I had forgotten there was footage of them coming into D.C. And all yeah. of the cars honking mm-hmm. and speaking to each other and i remember years ago i was disappointed that it didn't show them at the march but today i had to be honest with myself what i remember because you know I, I was i was there but I, what i remember the most was that was driving to the march and seeing yeah. everybody yeah because let's be clear again for for our our younger listeners there nobody knew what was going to happen nope like nobody knew like i love the fact that the first conversation they reference is at the barber shop mm-hmm. like um you know uh, they they talk about they were saying they were listening to the bar they were at the barber shop and this that and the other because that's where the information was being uh sent back and forth about the yeah. march was at barber shop yeah no internet I love the fact that, and I just lost his name because he's in the film with Bernie Mac. He's been in a couple of Spike oh. Lee films. He was in Do the Right Thing oh. too. Albert Hall. No, not Albert Hall. The the, fun, the, the brother who's the comedian. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, uh, 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 Steve White. Steve, Steve White. White. Steve White. Right. I loved when Steve White said that it was a conspiracy and that we were all going to get murdered because that was very much part. That was real. That was real. And that was part of the conversation. Like, are yep. y'all sure yes, you want to go? Because this would be a perfect time to murder everyone. Like they were going to murder mm-hmm. us. They were going to spray us with something. So we wouldn't be able to have kids. Mm-hmm. They were going to give us some type of airborne disease. They thought, I mean, and it really was an act of faith to go Mm -hmm. and again you didn't know who all was going to go and and i'll just say for me because i was right outside of dc we always had a skewed view of it because you know it was like a 30 minute ride away right so to get there and see buses from everywhere and to see people honking it was beautiful and again it was this warm feeling of community that this film captures so well so that it makes sense that this group of men have become a community on the way to the march that they wouldn't leave Jeremiah in the hospital. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And this community would do what the best communities do. They create a town watch and they keep any rabble rousers from messing up the community. 
Which brings us to the phenomenal cameo of <laughs> Wendell Pierce. <laughs> Wendell Pierce said, I'm going to bless y'all for five minutes. I'm going to bless y'all. <laughs> Yo, Spike, let me just get five minutes of your movie, dog. Five <laughs> minutes. That's all I need. Five minutes. So Wendell Pierce comes into this film as someone that they pick up along the way. He is a Lexus dealership owner. Very successful <laughs> black man. And he has the bankroll to pay his way to get to the Million Man March because, hey, I want to be there with the brothers. Um, and, and when asked why he is going to the Million Man March, why he lets them know, uh, let me let me find it because I have it there for you. Why, Xavier, X, Hill Harper's character, why are you even going to the march? Bruh. And cars. <laughs> cars. Cars and niggas. Bruh. Niggas need cars like cars need niggas. I'm going to make some money. You think I'm going to miss out on all that network? Oh, Networking shit. Bruh. You must be crazy. I got a joke for you. Yo, nigga. What do you get when you cross a million lesbians at the Million Man March? Okay, what do you get when you cross one million lesbians at the Million Man March? Two million motherfuckers who don't do... Y'all niggas something else. All you niggas. Oh my God. At which point Mike says, well, Wendell, I think it's funny that his name is Wendell, I got a joke for you. <laughs> what do you call a black man with a Lexus dealership? What? Bruh. And then they throw Wendell off the bus, at which point Jay, played by Bernie Mac, throws him his coat because they need coat like coat need. Bruh. Man, if I didn't see anything else but those five minutes of this movie... This might be my favorite movie of all time. How Wendell Pierce march into a film with the cast that we've been talking about and just busted wide open. Like how Wendell Pierce do like like how Wendell Pierce do that? I don't know. I don't uh, Andre Brower, Roger Gouverneur Smith, hold my beer. <laughs> but you know what? It's funny when I was watching this film, I was getting the 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 whiff that this film was feeling, despite it being you know set in the '90s, talking about an event that took place in the '90s, just a year before. In its depiction, in the reason, in the way that Spike shot it, and also in the the intimacy and the immediacy of the way that is produced because the film was only shot in three weeks yeah um he didn't go to studio for the money he just went to famous brothers for the for the dough and they all bankrolled because he 15 men yeah yeah, about men for men that's right i mean i was getting the whiff of this film that it felt very you know guerrilla film and had a 70s vibe. I can right? see that. It just 
It just really, you know, especially, with, you know, some of the music, you know, took you back to the, the comedies of the 70s, right? And which made sense and it all came together because in every one of those comedies, no matter if they it went those Bill Cosby, Sidney Poitier comedies or even in Car Wash, you were watching those movies and you were enjoying yourself, but you were waiting for that one cameo, usually Richard Pryor, <laughs> who was going to come in and just kind of like set the movie on fire and just take hold of it for five minutes. Yeah. And when Wendell Pierce comes into this film, I was like, well, there you go. There it that's is. It. That, that's Richard. There it is. That's Richard coming in the car wash. Yeah. That is exactly what it was, man. And I was like, yo, this movie is, is solid. Yeah. If this movie sticks the landing, we've got a winner. Yeah. And bam, it sucked the winner. It, 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 is, it, is, it, it is one of my favorite endings of a Spike Lee movie. Like I said, mm-hmm. like like I was prepared for Jeremiah to die, and they read his they they read the the prayer, and that's a great prayer, ending. Yeah. But then the shot of the shackles, yes, takes me out, takes me out every time. It does take you out. It's very it's very powerful, especially because the shackles were. Um, because of the way they were, they were shackles that were on Smooth's wrist, mm-hmm. but they were also around his father's waist. Right. So you had the 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 chain and the strap, which is what you would see on shackles. Yeah. Right. And you know you're right. It is a powerful image, and it and and smartly the movie goes out on it and we don't have to have the history of the shackles because it's not (laughs) a montage a montage of people on a chain gang exactly exactly there's no cliff notes after them after the end so it's perfect it's it's spot on perfect spike needs to work with reggie uh rock bythewood more the only bad thing about that scene is that it immediately reminded me okay oh great that's paying homage to the opening credits where you see a slave bound in shackles very powerful image very powerful but it's not baked into my brain and the reason why it's not is because overlaid on that image is this extremely trite Laconic, <laughs> boring. Oh boy! Babyface produced. Oh yeah. Song called uh, "What's the Call?" On the line. Yeah. Sung. Yeah. Sleepwalkingly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By one Michael Jackson. Yes, it is. However, and I say that this film, I say that this song is trite. I say that this song is laconic, and I say that it is boring, ladies and gentlemen. If you do not believe me, the proof is in the pudding. Because when you go out and you go purchase, get on the bus, music from and inspired by the motion picture, on the line by Michael Jackson, not on written it. by Babyface, yeah. 
It's not on the album. It's a great it's soundtrack. It's not on too. the extended copy of the album. It's not even on the best of Michael Jackson. Yeah. No, that film, that song does not appear until the limited edition Mini Max CD <laughs> included deep in the corner of the deluxe collector box set of Michael Jackson's Ghost from 1997. Who has ghosts? Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, you're right. It's it's not. But uh, you know, I, I think I give Michael Jackson and Babyface credit because I do think the politics of the Million Man March, the politics of Get on the Bus, which was a reflection of the Million Man March. There were a lot of A-list celebrities that would not have attached themselves to this. So the song itself is terrible. Like, there's an, I'm in no way defending the song at all. Mm -hmm. But it was sort of like at the end of Malcolm X when they showed all of them wearing the cap mm -hmm. and they were saying that I, you, you know, I'm a part of this and I always gave credit to people who publicly said I am supporting this and I'm a part of this. So, you know, I agree with you, with your critique of the song. I still give them dap for being involved. So, you know, it's a terrible song. Lynn, it's a terrible song. <laughs> if you say so. Bree Bree 517, in regards to the Million Man March, she says, I so remember the flyers at every there it is. party up until there it the is. march. Also reminded me of Will Smith saying it was the first time he felt completely safe in his life. That is 100% um, correct. That is 100% correct. And MJ Dickerson says, as a kid in Arkansas, the march really felt far away. I always appreciated the rest stop scene in Get on the Bus. Yeah, I've, I've also said that for years. That is the safest I've ever felt in my adult life. And what I found, what I find now as a parent, I felt safe like your children feel with you. Mm. That is the safest, that is that is 100% correct, that it is the only time in my adult life that I have felt completely relaxed. Wow. And like I was protected. Wow. That is true. It was a powerful moment. Yeah, that is true. So... So yeah. And I and I think I think in many ways and there have been some documentaries about the Million Man March and you know people have written thought piece think pieces about it. But I think in many ways even though this is a fictional film, I think in many ways this film is acts really as a true, you know, encapsulation of what that movement was about. Um and the many voices that were a part of that that movement movement yeah you know? yeah um this was this was really good stuff man. yeah yeah again i think this is a film that ages amazingly well and, and to your point, very well it does man. feel it feels like a document from that moment mm -hmm. you, you know the, the the more time goes like i said i have to i don't remember a lot of the march itself. Like I remember feeling safe. I remember with so many brothers everywhere. 
but but my 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 fondest memory was going on 95 and just hearing mm-hmm. the honking like i just remember there was so much honking mm-hmm. and everybody hanging out the window and waving at each other so so yeah you're right yeah and they actually talked about it that the the inspiration for the film was uh because uh one of the producers had seen a story about a group of men who, from LA mm-hmm. who took the bus to the Million Man March the uh friendship that developed on the bus and then how they brought that energy and those lessons learned back in into South Central, you know? And I bet if you ask a lot of people their fondest moments, I mean, think about it. I don't know like how often you go on like bus trips or or anything like that, but really your fondest moments are the times when you're with the people. Right. It's the trip. Right. You know, it's 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 the getting it's the getting there. It's it's a grand the best vacation I ever had in my entire life was when I went to the Montreal Jazz Festival. And all of my memories of them are uh, of it as much except for the one time Sting comes out the back of a of a restaurant. Outside of that memory, my favorite memories from that are me and my friends and my family who are with me going this place right and shooting the shit you right, know and right. it, 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 that that's what it's about man and i think that's why this so feels so much like a document because it feels like a memory yeah it feels like a collective memory that we all have yeah you yeah know? absolutely absolutely but vince yeah. would you recommend that people watch get on the bus i would very much recommend people watch get on the bus i think uh, again you know, Spike Lee is my favorite filmmaker. Regardless of that, I think Spike Lee is one of the most important filmmakers of the past 50 years. And much, much, I mean, this is the impetus for the podcast. I think when we talk about Spike Lee, we only talk about two or three films. Like you talk about the two or three Spike Lee films you talk about, and then you talk about his latest project. Mm -hmm. But this is someone who has built this body of work. So that something like get on the bus is something that, frankly, I don't know how many people have seen it now. Like, depending on how young you are, you may not have seen. Oh, I've seen Do the Right Thing. I've seen, you know, The Black Klansman. Like, I saw The Black Klansman and I went back and I watched Do the Right Thing. I watched She's Gotta Have It. But I watched Malcolm X. I watched Malcolm X. But, you know, he has this body of work and... I will say this. When you said Get on the Bus might be your favorite Spike Lee movie, I don't think that is an insane thing to say. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that's crazy pants. Right. You know, it's not my favorite film, Spike Lee film, but I think you can make an argument for it. So just as a film and then everything else that, that you know, you were so eloquently saying about it being this document and feeling like a memory, I think it's an important film. When we talk about the culture. So, yeah, I think you should absolutely watch this film. Yeah, I concur, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, If you haven't seen it, go see it. If you haven't seen it in a long time, watch it. Watch uh, Get on the Bus. It is... um, It is a powerful... It's a good film. It's it's powerful. It's funny. It's funny as hell. I mean, and and there's some moments you're going to... You're going to spite yourself. You're going to be like, I shouldn't be laughing at this. (laughs) I'm not supposed to be laughing at this. <laughs> Damn it, it's funny. 
Well, I'm not supposed to be laughing at this, but you, but I apologize you know. to my wife because we were in the room watching, you know, working together, and I was, you know, watching on the computer, and I said, "I'm just gonna be busting out laughing periodically." So, don't. <laughs> everything is cool over here. These just some funny dudes sometimes, because <laughs> because it, it's just a group of brothers. It's just a group of I brothers know. together. I know. I know. And dudes are funny. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Great film. Great film. Before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week, ladies and gentlemen, we invite you all to uh, send us all of your feedback. Email us. Please, why don't you? Won't you be our neighbor? And email us at themishowmission at gmail.com. Let us know all of your thoughts and concerns. You can also like and follow us on all the social medias at me show mission as well as join the me show mission facebook group where our missionaries have a really great time and if you're interested in any of our swag all of our swag is available at me show just hit swag and that'll take you to our t public store where you can see a lot of our very cool designs i've been promising new designs well they're there now Check them out. We even got masks. And thanks to you to each and every one of you who have been purchasing all of that swag because that goes a long way to helping us keep the show free for you. We appreciate it. Absolutely. The the Michelle Mission is also available as a radio show in a very edited, a very edited. Uh, <laughs> let me go find find my bleeps. Um, let let the record show. You did all the bleeping too. <laughs> it was me. It was me. Uh, oh, I noted the time. I was like, oh, I'm ready. How much of Wendell Pierce is he going to quote? <laughs> you had to do it justice, dog. You had to. Um, the show mission is available in an edited form every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM 106.5 FM Philly Cam People Power Media here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And you can wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University. And the Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate. Podglomerate, curated podcast for your curated ears. Check it out at thepodglomerate.com. Uh, let's see. What else do we got to do? Oh, and check out the Show Mission Dispatch. When you go to our web- website, you be- can become a subscriber to the Show Mission Dispatch, our weekly, um, for now, newsletter about what's going on on the Show Mission. Check out the, the movies that are coming up next, and we have special features on there as well. Um, and I think that's about it. Oh, and subscribe on YouTube to the Michelle Mission because <laughs> we're putting videos up. We're doing that. We're doing that. And I recently, my social calendar is has been freed up for <laughs> recently. So I'll be putting more videos up there on the Michelle Mission. Uh, in joke between me and Vince, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. I've got more time to do videos, ladies and gentlemen. So. There'll be videos. More cake for you. (laughs) More cake. But I'm happy. I'm very happy. I'm very happy. All right. right. Hey, hold it together. We just got just a couple more. You can have your cake and eat it too. And I will. I will. 
Next week on the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen, we uh, go back to 1961 for a film adapted from what many say is the one of the greatest stage plays mm. of all time. Mm. And it was adapted into a film mm. that many say is one of the greatest films of all time. Mm. I don't know. You be the judge along with us mm. when we watch Sidney Poitier mm. and Ruby D mm. in the iconic and the historic mm. A Raisin in the Sun from 1961. I'm actually teaching this next week. Are you really? I'm actually teaching the play next week. So I'm, I, oh, oh, my, I, oh my God, I'm so ready for this episode. Like I'm ready to do it right now. <laughs> well, hold your horses. Hold my horses. Because I haven't seen the movie. And I have to see whether or not I have to get get out a film projector. <laughs> hey, Lynn. Hey, Lynn. Hey, Lynn. 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 I have it on DVD. <laughs> so, so let me know. <laughs> Are you... Can you guess which one of us is taking the mission seriously? <laughs> is it the one who has a DVD player? And has Raisin in the Sun on DVD? Yes. Or the one who doesn't have a DVD player, but has the entire box set of the TV series Soap <laughs> on DVD? See? 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 But again, you've watched it more than people have watched their commemorative VHS collection of roots. Every black person of a certain age, you go in their house and up on the shelf, it's a commemorative collection of roots and it still has like plastic on it. Okay, okay, we can't go there. Baby. All right, that all was right. a trailer. All right. That was a trailer talk. All right, they don't know. What all right, we're all right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I gotta watch the video. I'm sorry. Watch the video. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Y'all know what we're talking about. We gotta get out of here. He's Vince. I'm Len. <laughs> and in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>